listening to Hope Signals with Mark and Susan Mason, the podcast of Life on the Verge Ministries. Hope Signals is a podcast where we offer practical principles and motivational insights aimed at helping people navigate their hopes and dreams. you guys part two in the living life in tune series gonna be talking about fitness today but first let's talk about that in tune and see if you recognize this song probably played that all wrong, but it's close and you might recognize this song. But the point of this series is that all six of these strings are in tune. They're under constant t- tension, uh, just like our lives have different areas. Um, it, it, if one of the strings on this guitar is out of tune, the whole guitar is out of tune. If I take this G string, just knock it even slightly out of tune. The guitar is not accomplishing its purpose, nor will we accomplish our purpose if an area of life is out of tune. And so I define those, you know, I've kind of got this little grid as uh, there's at least six spheres of life that I need to constantly plug into the tuner. I talked about how I've got you know, a bunch of fancy guitar pedals. Some of them are worth a whole lot of money, but the most valuable one is worth about $99. Actually, I could probably only sell it for $50 now, and that's my tuner pedal. It's the pedal that gets used the most. I have to constantly check the tuning if my guitar is going to sing the songs it was made to sing. And the same is true of our lives. We have to constantly visit our tuning. And, and I look at these areas, faith, fitness, family, finance, friendships, and field of endeavor. And I'm constantly looking at those, and even through doing this podcast, it's making me evaluate my tuning. Because, you know, I can be soaring uh, in the area of field of endeavor, for example. You know that Jesus said that many will come to him in that day. He said, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name and do all these big miracles and stuff in your name? But he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. So to me, that looks like, well, they really had the field of endeavor thing down. They knew how to do ministry but their faith was way out of tune. They didn't really have a walk with Jesus. That's scary to think about, isn't it? And the same is true if I'm if I'm trying to be an example and go out and minister to people, uh, but my family is spinning out of control. Now, I understand sometimes things happen, our kids get crazy and stuff like that that we don't have a lot of control over, but what we do have control over, for example, I, was, uh, I worked with young people for, for many years. I was a youth pastor and I really cared about young people and trying to help them find their way in this crazy world and not go off some of the same tangents that I went off of uh, or off on when I was a teenager. But you know what? Let me tell you something. If uh, I felt that that ministry in any way jeopardized my family, uh, it's time for the game to change. You know, there was one time 
we used to bring these really rough kids into our youth group. We'd go bust them in. And uh, my son was probably only about seven or eight years old or something like that. And one of these older kids who also had bigger brothers with him, my son would be on the van sometimes when I'd go pick these kids up. And this one kid that was a little bit older, he probably was only 10 or 12, but he started picking on my son. And I love this kid. He was a really troubled kid coming from a really bad background. Um, But he threatened my son one time. And I basically, I probably go to jail for this today, but I don't care. I I didn't shove him, but I backed him up against a wall. And I turned on my old uh, police attitude from when I was a cop. I got in his face and I said, let me tell you something. If you mess with my son one more time, I will forget I'm a youth pastor. Do you understand that? And he was shaking in his boots. And never had another moment's trouble out of him. And uh, he respected me for the duration that he attended our youth group. Because I didn't want my family to be out of tune, uh, even though my ministry might be in tune. So all these different areas, we need to just constantly visit. And we're never, they're always under tension, just like the strings on the guitar. The guitar is always going to go out of tune, plain and simple. I'm going to have to constantly retune it. And I think the same is true of our lives. These areas of faith, fitness, family, finance, friendships in our field of endeavor, which is our job or our career, uh, the work of our hands, they're under constant tension. It's never going to go away. It's why we need to really enjoy uh, our times of rest and relaxation. There's a tendency to think that one day we're just going to get all the spheres of our life in perfect shape, and then I can sit back and everything's going to be copacetic. Never going to happen. Not in this lifetime. Thank God for heaven. There's always going to be tension. There's always going to be issues. We're going to always have to visit our tuning. And so I wanted to talk specifically about fitness today. Last week, I talked about faith. And if I do say so myself, I thought that was a a pretty good starter anyway to get you thinking about faith and and plugging into the tuner and studying that topic. Now I want to talk about fitness. And I, I, I don't really list these in order of importance, but in a way, I guess subconsciously I do. I think that it, when it comes to physical fitness, for example, if I'm not in good physical shape, my whole family, which is the next one in this list I think that I put down, my family's going to suffer if I don't keep myself in decent physical shape. More importantly, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Paul says we have this treasure, meaning the gospel, uh, in jars of clay, talking about our bodies. You see, we need to concern ourselves with our fitness because our bodies house the very presence of God, the hope of the gospel. We carry around in us what cures uh, the, the sickness of sin. And so imagine if you had right now the cure for the coronavirus. It was a fragile serum sample, and it was the seed or prototype for an antidote that could cure anyone that had the virus. How valuable would that be? How much would it need to be protected and taken care of, whatever you encased it in? It would be valuable in this world, but not necessarily in the next. Our physical bodies are containers that house the hope of the gospel, the good news that that Jesus came to give us abundant life, forgiveness of sins, and, and connect us with our Heavenly Father. We carry around the gospel, which is relevant to abundant life in this world, but also eternal life in the next. 
Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You see, the longer I live, and not just the longer I live, but the quality of life that I enjoy, the level of energy, the level level of enthusiasm, emotional fitness, uh, all that is connected to how long I might live. Now, I understand God can call us home anytime He wants to, but we're supposed to be good stewards in this moment. And, you know, I've heard someone say years ago, uh, live like you're going to die tomorrow, but or plan like you're going to live forever, but live like you're going to die today, something like that. So we should be taking care of our bodies with the expectation that unless God in His ultimate wisdom decides to take us home prematurely, we're going to live into our 80s or 90s or whatever, and so we should be caring for our bodies the best that we can. And I know there are those rogue stories of a guy that drank a fifth of liquor and smoked a pack of cigarettes every day and lived to be 104. Well, you and I both know that's not the norm, that we need to take care of our, be good stewards of our physical body so that we live long and and happy and uh, energetic, enthusiastic lives so that it doesn't do any good to carry around a treasure uh, in this jar of clay if I never let it out. I'm not going to accomplish the works that God wants me to accomplish if I don't have the energy to do it, if I don't have the breath to do it. If I die, the longer I live, the more opportunities I'm going to have to share this awesome gospel. You know, um, it, it even goes beyond that. Right before uh, we were going to launch Life on the Verge, I mean, there was something stirring in my spirit. I had no clarity whatsoever. I was still pastoring. I was writing songs. I was looking for opportunities. I was praying. I had no idea that all these avenues and prisons and biker rallies, that was going to open up. It was right around the corner. I didn't know it. But I had to act like, what if it does? And one thing I realized was that I'm going to have to be in physical shape if, if I'm going to do the thing that's on my heart to do. That It's become a priority. And so in the winter of, no, it was actually Christmas Day, 2000 and, no, getting it, getting it wrong. It was actually the summer of 2010. That was another time. The summer of 2010, I did a sermon series called The Summer of a Lifetime, and I started to run again. I'll get more into that in a little bit. And I started to watch my calorie intake and what I was eating again. And I dropped from about 212 to 165 because I knew that not not that I needed to be slim and trim. I needed to be strong and energetic because I really believed that God was about to open a door that was going to require that. It was going to require me to carry this gear like we do. What we do is very physically demanding. Um, at 57 years old, to be able to push a cart with 500 pounds of gear uh, 200 yards across a prison yard sometimes, to carry that stuff in and out of our vehicles and all that, and then stand up in front of people and put on two-hour. One time last summer, we did a six-hour yard concert. That requires a lot of energy to be able to do it. If I didn't have the energy, if I didn't have the fitness level, I wouldn't be able to share this awesome treasure that I have in this jar of of clay. Get it? So our bodies house the very presence of God, the hope of the gospel. Therefore, we need to take care of our bodies, not for just how they look, but for how we feel. Our bodies uh, can play a role in our witness. Did you know that? You know, I used to tell our... um, 
our church team when I was a pastor, how important excellence was. And excellence meaning we excel above what is expected. We're not perfect. We know we're going to make mistakes. I think I mentioned in a previous podcast about my friend Chris Huggins, I probably mentioned it a couple of times, that that excellence is a road and perfection is a ditch on one side and sloth is on the other. So I would say, look, you know what? Here's why it's really important that every word be spelled correctly, that punctuation be correctly correctly done, um, that uh, things that need to be capitalized need to be capitalized in the words that we put on a screen in front of people on a Sunday morning. Because sure enough, there's somebody out there that's going to be distracted, if only for a moment, by that misspelling. You think about an English teacher sitting out there or somebody that really respects editing or, you know, that just sees that and it distracts them. And so while we never got it perfect, we we did strive for excellence. And our bodies can be a witness that way too. Do you know that some people, if they, they see how out of shape you are and how much you don't care and take care of your body, they don't care about your witness You've lost that avenue with some people. And you can say, yes, God can use you no matter what shape you're in. If you're, you know, frail, if you're on your deathbed, I understand all that. But listen, I'm talking about a bigger picture here. If there's not another reason, uh, then why shouldn't we stay healthy and try to... We live in a culture that respects what what people look like. We know that. You know, there's a scripture. Understand this. First, First Samuel 16, 7 says this. And this is when God is talking to Samuel about finding the next king of Israel, which would end up being David. And uh, he said these words. God said this. Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, for the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Isn't that awesome to know? It is, that God looks at our heart. So understand, this isn't about whether God loves you, whether God's disappointed in you, whether you need to be in top physical shape to be accepted by God. Nonsense. This isn't what this is about. What I want to emphasize here is the line that says, man looks at the outward appearance. That's the God's honest truth, for in this life, people do look at our outward appearance. And if we look like a slob and we don't take care of ourselves and we're always in a bad mood, because listen, if you don't exercise, if you don't eat right, if you don't take care of your physical body, chances are you're going to have more disease, more stress, lethargic, you're going to be lazier at work than you could have been. And so when people, when I say look at the outward appearance, not just the shape of your body, but your behavior because of a lack of fitness. And understand, when it's time to go home, it's time to go home. But while we're here, we need to embrace the stewardship of all God has entrusted to us, which includes our bodies. This is, it's not about six-pack abs or qualifying for a Sports Illustrated spread. This is about stewardship of our bodies. It's not about a specific weight or body shape. Listen, you can be fit, and that's why I don't like the um, the uh, charts they put out and the recommendations on body fat and all that stuff, because I've known people that that maybe could have been qualified as obese, but they were actually muscular. They were in good shape. They were taking care of themselves. And understanding that the older we get, the more our bodies are just going to start wasting away anyway. So we're, we're not going to achieve. Our muscles aren't going to grow like they used to grow when we were in our 20s and 30s, right? Um, it's, it's about being physically fit as a whole 
person, whether or not you know, you're a few pounds overweight or you're not quite the shape everybody says. Again, it just keeps coming back to it doesn't it, it has to do um, with stewardship. And only you really know that. Am I being a good steward of my body? And that's why, you know, we feel a little conviction when we eat two pieces of pie instead of one. is because something in us says, you know what, this probably isn't good for my sugar level. This could lead to problems down the road. And uh, I understand what it's like to struggle with a sweet tooth, by the way. I am an American. Some people never had that problem, but I was raised in a household where... Soda was the, the treat, you know. I mean, there was always soda in the house. You know, sugar soda, I'm talking. I, I drink diet soda now. Probably not the best choice, but it's better than regular soda. Haven't drank regular soda in years and years. And to be honest, most of the time I, I try to drink tea or water. Probably drink too much coffee for my own good. But I was raised drinking a lot of soda, a lot of sweet drinks. Um, that actually led to my wife developing, she too was raised like that, developing type 2 diabetes. She stopped the soda, and guess what? She's not on any diabetes medication anymore. Um, and so I was raised that way. You know, there was one time um, that uh, I won't say how my grandfather acquired cases and cases of candy bars. Uh, we had a closet full of Snickers and Three Musketeers, and you name it, man. We had them all. Almond Joy and, you know, all, all those name brand candy bars in a closet full of them. And me and my brother, this is when we were kids, we ate candy nonstop. And uh, so I understand what that's like. My my dear granny, bless her heart, she was raised in the Great Depression, um, actually had to live in a barn on a straw bed for for a season with her whole family in this one-room barn uh, while my great-grandfather worked for the farmer and all this. So when she finally got older and she could, you know, have the things she never could have when she was a kid, she went hog wild. And she's an example of somebody I say, my gosh, my granny ate Little Debbie snack cakes and drank soda like it was going out of style for decades and decades and decades, and she lived till she was 94. However, she did suffer. She went through a lot of different diseases and problems and you know, di- didn't have the energy and the attitude that was always what it could have been. And, and I would say some of that at least has to be attributed to um, diet. And so I developed anyway. I'm not blaming anybody for this. Um, yeah, I am a little bit. Come on. Uh, I was fed a lot of junk food. And so when I got older, you know, when I got into middle school, every morning on the way to school, I walked to school at least, I would get, uh, you know, a hostess uh, apple pie, you know, those those things you could buy at the 7 I stopped at 7-Eleven and get a chocolate milk, which was full of sugar, and a... Uh, Hostess apple pie, and and then for for lunch because I spent most of my lunch money on breakfast for that awesome breakfast of of a hostess apple pie and chocolate milk. When lunchtime rolled around, I had about enough money for an ice cream sandwich, and so this was like my diet, you know. And I'm a kid, and I wasn't really prone to obesity. I wasn't fat as a kid or as a teenager, for that matter. Even after I started drinking heavy, I was using drugs. So my my eating changed, obviously, um, but. What I'm telling you is that I understand that there are physical addictions and habits that need to be broken, and I will give you this tip, that if you will make a decision to to break that habit, say if you've got a sweet tooth, you know, I am not going to eat any 
sugar. You're going to have withdrawal symptoms, plain and simple, for a certain period of time. Um, you'll find that when you go back to it, it is so sweet. And I'm not going to advocate not eating sugar, by the way. I'm just saying that we develop addictions to this stuff that can can be broken just like any other addiction, especially through the power of Christ. Um, but I am rambling on, Anna. Uh, the, uh, let me, let me give you a little bit of, of my journey and maybe this will help. Okay. Maybe it'll help. I'm sure there'll be a couple of things in here that maybe, uh, will stand out to you. But so in my early twenties, um, I was in college and I took a fitness class as just an elective that I had to take. And in that class, I learned a little bit about nutrition early on. Thank God. Now we got YouTube and all sorts of websites. We can learn stuff much much easier than taking a college class. We can go online and look at you know what foods are. I, that's part of staying fit is educating yourself about food. For example, I know this for for a fact that if you're going to eat high carbs. If you don't know what high carbs are, easy enough to find. It's your breads, it's your potatoes, your pastas, and you know your bad stuff like simple carbohydrates as candy and soda and that stuff. But even seemingly healthy carbohydrates um, such as breads and, and potatoes and stuff like that, if you're going to eat those, the best time to eat them is earlier in the day because your body burns carbohydrates. So when we eat that big Italian meal at 7 o'clock for dinner, it's got a great chance, greater chance of turning into fat because you're doing nothing to burn it off throughout the day. So carbohydrates earlier in the day, and then by the time you get to dinner, there's where you want to be heavy on proteins, which are things like you know meats and 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 poultry and and that kind of thing. So you know your green vegetables, you you can still eat heavy. Um, but eat protein as opposed to carbohydrates. Um, you know, yogurt is a good protein thing. A Greek yogurt is great for that. Um, I'm no dietitian, by the way. I'm just sharing my experience. And I have had some experience going up and down with my weight throughout life. And I know what it takes to drop a substantial 30, 40, 50 pounds. Um, it takes consistency, first off. Understand, people want to know, well, what diet works? Does the South Beach diet work? Um, does the, what's the latest one, uh, the keto diet, does that work? We want some magic silver bullet. Let me, newsflash, they all work if you stay consistent. The, the issue is, is this diet that I'm crafting for myself sustainable? I did the keto for a while back, about two years ago, because I was overweight, and I had a couple of friends that were dropping pounds left and right. I said, well, give it a go, you know. And you know what? I guess I lost a few pounds doing it, but I thought, this is not sustainable. I'm not going to avoid eating bread my whole life, you know, uh, and, and just eat bacon and cottage cheese and protein. So it wasn't sustain sustainable to me. So let me tell you what worked for me. Now, um, I, I in my mid twenties I was in pretty good shape. I was probably bucking about one sixty, one sixty five, something like that. By the time I hit my thirties, I'm hitting. I think I hit a top of two twelve. Now I'm only five seven, so two twelve looks pretty humpty dumpty on me. Well, this would be my first experience of losing a mass amount of weight when I was about thirty five, thirty six. I wanted to go back into law enforcement, but I had been out of law enforcement for six years, which meant I was going to have to repeat the police academy wherever I went, uh, in Virginia anyway. And so I knew I was going to have to lose this weight. And here's how I did it. I, I had educated myself aforehand about calorie content. And it's why I didn't balloon up to like 300 pounds, is that even though I hit 
212 as a, as a top, uh, I still knew what I was doing. I knew what I was doing wrong. I knew I needed to adjust that. And so I here's what I did. Here's my secret diet, diet trick. I ran 30 minutes a day, six days a week, and I aimed at 1,500 calories a day. And I know if I'll do that, it'll take me, I can lose anywhere from a pound and a half to two pounds a week like that. It's not drastic. Uh, it's, it's not, I, I don't look, I didn't look at it as sustainable like I'm always going to work out six days a week. Of course, working out can just be taking a, a decent walk, um, but I wasn't going to run six days a week. So once I reached my ideal weight, I would, uh, you know, tone it back to maybe four times a week. I would, I would, you know, do slow jog. I'm, I'm not trying to compete in any races or anything like that. Just to get my heart rate up and get my metabolism up, and that's what's really important. If you're older, is I found out that your metabolism slows to a crawl, and the only way to beef it up is to exercise. You know, none of this is rocket science, right? If you go to the doctor, what's he going to say? You want to be in better shape? Diet and exercise. Diet and exercise. Diet and exercise. So for me to lose weight, I needed to aim at about 1,500 calories. And here's the thing about that. I didn't, um, I did not uh, uh, limit what I could eat. I didn't say, well, I'm not going to eat chocolate. I love chocolate. You know, I was addicted as a child. I just know I got to regulate it. And I counted the calories. So And I started eating dark chocolate instead of milk chocolate, which I like much better now anyway, and it's a little better for you. But um, I wasn't going to say I'm not going to eat a piece of pie at Christmas. No, but I'm going to eat a half a piece of pie, and I'm going to count those calories. Um, I, I, because if you deprive yourself of all these things, a lot of times what happens is you rebound back, and you're like, that's not going to happen again, you know, and you start to gorge yourself on all the things you missed. And so this may work for you. Listen, find what works for you. But this this is definitely the truth. Consistency equals intensity. So a lot of people, when they start exercising, for example, uh, here was the temptation for me, is that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna well, all right, I might be getting lengthy here, but if you're sticking with this right now, you care. So stay with it. I'm gonna give you the story. All right. I would. When I first started running again, I'm at 212. I'm like, I wonder if I'm going to have a heart attack. You know, I went and got a physical to make sure my heart was in decent shape. And here's what I did. I, uh, I, I walked for 10 minutes, and then I slow jogged for 10 minutes, barely jogging, and then I walked for 10 minutes. And I did that for six days, even though on day two, I probably could have ran a little further. By the end of the week, I probably could have ran a little further. Nope, I'm going to be consistent. What's important is that I show up for this exercise. And so I'm not going to overdo it, which a lot of people do. They go to the gym on January 2nd, and they blow themselves up, and then they're so sore, they fall off the rails. This is too hard. No. If I'll just make up my mind and have a contingency plan, what am I going to do if it rains? Well, then I'm going to, I'm going to go up and down the steps in my house for 30 minutes, whatever. But I'm going to get this exercise in 30 minutes a day, six days a week, one way or another. And so for six days, I did 10, 10, 10. The next week, I, I walked for 10 minutes and I slow jogged for 12 and a half minutes. And then I walked the rest up to 30 minutes, whatever it was, seven and a half minutes. And so, uh, or I did it backwards. But each week, I, I increased the run by two and a half minutes until I was running 30 minutes, slow jogging. 30 minutes, not running really. Um, and then I just stuck with that. And the temptation might have been, oh man, I need to go for 35 minutes, 40 minutes. Nope, nope. 
I'm going to do this 30 minutes. Now, gradually, you know, I'm, I'm every now and then would really feel spunky and, you know, months into it and, and maybe go a little further. One time I ran for an hour, but that's one time in my whole life I did that. And if that's your deal, if you're into running, but I personally, my favorite part of running is when it's over. But it is awesome when you, you've done it. The sense of accomplishment, the adrenaline, uh, it, you just feel better. So that's what I did. And then I took my eye off things when Life on the Verge first uh, kicked off, that all the travel, you know, just all over the place, you know, moving from place to place on Walmart, camping on Walmart parking lots. And it was really hard to keep my physical regiment. And so guess what? I ballooned up to from 165 uh, to 195. And uh, I was like, can you believe this? I was so disappointed in myself. I had to get over that. You know, the past is good for nothing but to stand on and reach your future. I got to stop looking backward and look forward. And so I knew I needed to kick. I'm going to give you seven principles in a, in, in a minute to get in your fitness level in tune. So stick with me. I'm, I'm almost through rambling. Um, but I did the same thing. 30 minutes a day. 1,500 calories a day. And guess what? In about three months, um, maybe four months, I was back down to actually hit one, actually hit 157. Now I'm actually, because of this coronavirus, I kind of took my off the prize and I'm in my upper 60s again, but I'm realizing it. Remember, under constant tension, keep plugging into the tuner. I know what I got to do. This afternoon, I'll be hitting the street going for my jog. Uh, I've got to watch those calories. My wife got a fancy mixer, KitchenAid mixer, from our kids for Mother's Day. And you talk, I, I got to gear my mind for all the cookies. She made cheesecake last night. I'm going to have a little piece of it. But I've got to make sure that I'm regulating. I prepare my mind at the beginning of the day. I'm not going to overdo that. And so, anyway, that that is kind of what I did. Find out what works for you. But here's what I know, that the the better... Uh, that, that when I work out, I feel better physically, mentally, my thinking is clearer, my energy level is higher, my focus is improved. Um, and so that's why we've got to pay attention to fitness. And let me give you a quick, real quick, seven keys for getting your fitness in tune. I'll run through these real fast. Listen to this. Heard somebody else say this, probably stole all this. I don't know. But eat for fuel, not for pleasure. Eat a little for pleasure, but really eat for fuel. You know what? I do not love salad that much. I eat it intentionally because I know my body needs green leafy vegetables to thrive. So I make sure there's a lot of green on my plate. Um, if I eat a little bit of, if, if my wife makes spaghetti, three quarters of the plate is going to be salad and a quarter is going to be spaghetti and maybe a couple of meatballs or something. Um, but I've got to eat the stuff that I know is going to give my body energy. That's good. It's going to be fuel. Number two, cheat sparingly, but cheat. You got to cheat, man, but cheat sparingly. You know, sometimes what I do, I'll go, if I go to a restaurant, back when we could go to restaurants, um, and and I'll fill my, my soda up maybe, uh, you know, uh, probably over three quarters. I'll usually just put a couple of squirts of real Coke in there because I like the taste of real Coke. So I cheat a little bit there. Um, but I, but I, I realize it is a cheat, and so cheat sparingly. Uh, number three, realize that every calorie counts, plain and simple. I don't care what diet you're on. It all boils down to calories. It takes 3,500 calories to make a pound. So if, if you eat 
500 ca- too many calories a day than what your body needs to burn, then it takes you a week to gain a pound. Um, if it's if you eat 250 calories a day more than you should, then it takes two weeks and you're going to gain a pound. Same is true when you're trying to lose weight. If I cu- I realize that I can bounce around 2,000 to maybe 2,300 or something, if I'm working out, I can hit 2,500 calories a day and not gain weight. Keep my but if I want to lose weight, I need to chop off about 500 calories a day or or a little more. And so, but every calorie counts. What does that look like? That means use a teaspoon to put the mayonnaise on your sandwich, not a tablespoon, because a tablespoon of mayonnaise is 100 calories. You still get a little mayonnaise. Um, there's lots of little cheats. Maybe one day I'll write a book on some of the stuff that I've, the workarounds that I've found. But realize that every calorie counts. You know what my wife started doing when she gets a burger somewhere? She digs the middle of the top bun out. Uh, I started doing that too. I don't like all that bread anyway. And so I kind of just pull the bun out. Sometimes I just take the whole bun off. Um, but every every calorie counts. Number four, avoid fad diets and think sustainably. I've already talked about this. Think sustainability, rather. Um, don't, don't just look for a book or a magic silver bullet. Think about something that leads to a lifestyle you can sustain. Number five, exercise five to six times a week. Plain and simple. If you're if you got bad knees, don't use it as an excuse. Find somebody. You know what? When I went to get back into the police academy in uh, the, in the year 2000, I broke my toe. I mean, bad. Right before the police academy was going to start, maybe a month before I was going to start the academy. You know, it takes six weeks for a broken bone to heal, and I mean, my big toe was severely broken, and. Uh, and so uh, I started going to the gym, and you, well, first I bought a punching bag, you know, one of those big body size ones, and I would get an upper body workout. I had my my broken toe boot I had to wear, but I could stand, and I would get my heart rate up, and I just beat that bag to death for about you know half an hour, and uh, then I, I was able to get on a stationary bike and use my heel instead of my toe on one foot, but I could find a way around it. There's something that we can do, unless you're totally incapacitated, whether it's ride a bike if you can't run maybe you can walk i don't i don't know but find something there's there's all kinds of ideas out there and do it for 30 minutes a day five to six times a week make it a priority like you're my i look at it this way if i work out i won the day all the other stuff is icing on the cake and i mean that i mean actually i should say if i spend my time with god and then i work out it it, it makes me in a better mood for my wife my family everything else it's just better if I know that, that I got my workout done. I feel better physically, emotionally, my confidence levels increased, all that stuff. Number six, think health, not body shape. We live in a world that's constantly trying to tell us we need to be a certain shape. Um, we, we need to be a certain weight. No, think health. You, only you really know. Do I feel healthy? Am I taking care of myself? Am I being a good steward of this body because it, it houses the temple of the Holy Spirit? Uh, and then number seven, ask God for help. I've done that. I've prayed, Lord, help me get in shape. I banged on heaven's door when I knew, man, uh, especially, you know, you, you stop and eat this big, nasty, fast food meal. And uh, and then I just feel this conviction like, I know that that wasn't good. God still loves me, but that wasn't good. God, for, forgive me and help me to take better care of my body. I realize this. First Timothy 4.8 says this, bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Now, we have a tendency to look at a verse like that and think, I'm all good, man. I'm right with Jesus, 
And we ignore the other part of that verse that does say bodily exercise profits a little. It does profit a little. What's being said there is, look, godliness is far more important, but exercise and your fitness and your health is still important. It does profit. Here's seven ways it profits real quick, and I'll close. Increased energy. I've already said that. Increased focus. Increased confidence. You feel better about the way you're taking care of yourself and maybe about the way you look. Um, Decreased stress. Man, if I'm having a stress-filled day and I go out for a run, it's done. I feel so much better. Improved blood pressure and heart rate. At my age, I'm 57, I teeter on the border with the blood pressure if I'm not running, if I'm not taking care of myself, plain and simple, but I see it go down. My heart rate is that of an athlete. My heart rate is usually in the 50s right now, but that changes if I don't work out. Number six, decrease risk of disease. You know, you you decrease your risk of diabetes if you're eating right, of heart disease, of cancer, of all these things. And ultimately, number seven, longer life expectancy. That's the general rule. I know there are exceptions to every rule like this. There is that person that, you know, drinks drinks bourbon every day and, and smokes cigars and they live to be 100. But you and I both know that is not the norm. And uh, and so I just encourage you, keep your fitness in tune. And I'm preaching to myself here. That's partly I'm being selfish by doing these is I'm reminding myself Keep my faith in tune. Keep my fitness in tune. All right. We'll see you next week. We'll talk about family. Thank you for listening to Hope Signals. You can learn more about us at lifeontheverge.com. We're a completely donor-funded ministry that carries the good news to prisons around the United States. You can help us by sharing this podcast by partnering with us with a tax-deductible gift at lifeontheverge.com, or by even talking to your leader or pastor about having us come and minister. Thank you for letting us be just another voice of inspiration in your journey.